good to be here, and as Bob said, I am Joan Hogan, and I'd like to welcome all of you to Prairie Doc Radio Program. We have a classic today. Both Dr. Holm and I are in the studio together. Quite often, we have guests one way or the other, but we're here, and we're happy to be here. The reason we're here is because Dr. Holm can answer your questions of a medical nature. He is an internal medicine physician. He's worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings, and he served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Yes. And good to have you here, Dr. Holm. Glad to be here. And, uh, yeah, who... Who am I is, is the question is that you, you were trying to say. He is... He is... He, he, is he, he is a physician, and he can answer your questions. Also, he's fresh from his appearance at the Festival of Brooks, books that took place in Brookings. Books, Brooks. Brooks. Uh, it's the South Dakota Festival of Brook, Books took place this last weekend in Brookings, and uh, Dr. Holm gave a talk on Saturday that was presented before an overflow audience. It overflowed from one room. We moved it to a second room, and it overflowed from the second room. They should have had a larger room for you, but you thought maybe three people would show up. I didn't know how many were going to It I, was a nice turnout, <laughs> and people were really pleased to be there. How did your book signing go? And by the way, the name of the book is Life's Final Season, A Guide for Aging and Dying with Grace. Well... I was the bestseller of Zambro's. Jeff at Zambro's said that I was the bestseller. All right. And Jeff had copies on hand, huh? Yeah, he did. And Zambro's has copies, or you can go to Amazon and get copies. Or I think in mid-October, we will have a hospital uh, book signing. That'd so be great. Well, I hope you get them. I ordered mine from Amazon a week ago, and they said they're on the way. Maybe they're still printing them. I printing don't know. Yeah, that must be it. Happened. They're running a little behind. I, Ed said, why didn't you just get one from Rick? And I said, well, I'd rather order it. So I, he knew there was another I order. ran out of the paperbacks. Oh, well, I ordered the hard copy. Maybe I should have ordered the paperback. Well, I, you know, I just ran out of the paperbacks, so I've got hard copies. but. Um, well, I've got one coming. Amazon, let me know. It's coming. So if you order... One of Dr. Holmes' books, you can find it on Amazon, Life's Final Season, A Guide for Aging and Dying with Grace. Yeah, happy little, happy little. Happy, (laughs) cheerful, but you know what, it is cheerful. And your talk was so uplifting and so cheerful to anyone who is either facing death or facing the death of a loved one or helping someone in their final stages of life. You've really said some positive things at that presentation. Thank you. You you. truly did. What sticks in your mind? What sticks in my mind? You were there. Uh, I was looking and uh, looking at you in the back of the room, and you were and um, somebody gave you their seat. Well, was really that, nice. the guy, he said, "Sit down." I said, "No, no, I'm fine. I'm fine," because I'd already given my seat to someone else. The place was full, but the problem was where I was standing. The fan was right at my back, and you'd love to have turned it off, but I knew how hot the room was. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So we were plenty cool where we were, and finally he said, "Okay, halfway," so he switched and he stood. And later he said, geez, I'd like to have turned that fan off, but I think I've been <laughs> killed. <laughs> I agreed with him, but it was very nice. It was, it was a great turnout. What stuck with me was um, a couple of things. One, hope that uh, with your faith, there's always hope. And, and that, was, that was beautiful. And also people were asking about um, stories of people who have come back after supposedly dying and coming yes. back. And uh, those stories are full of hope, too. So I think they really are. I, you know, I read the book by Raymond Moody called Life After Life in the 70s. Bob, you know, you've read almost everything. You know everything. Have he you, does. Have you read Raymond Moody's book, Life After Life? 
Yep. So I had read that, and it really sp spoke to uh, the the fact that we'd become we'd come into CPR, where we would bring people back after they were, you know, they were basically dead. And uh, there was uh, a physician, Raymond Moody, who had gathered a whole uh, host of uh, stories about people who had died and come back, and the the most important and and powerful message was they were all about the same. And um, the stories were about the same. Yeah. People from all over the country. All, all different religions. Yeah. But their uh, stories were so similar, it was amazing. Uh, the, the, some of the, uh, well, the commonality was that everybody was drawn to a light and that the end of the, the, the light was a bright, uh, huge, warm, welcoming, unconditional love. Uh, and that the message that uh, you came away from that light, that glowing, wonderful acceptance is that it, that uh, you should not be afraid and that uh, death is not awful and that, um, that you are loved and that you're part of this love energy of, of, um, hum of, of uh, living. Uh, and it connected you to all living things, and, and so that that was the message. And if you if you read another book that uh, I've recently read called uh, Proof of Heaven, uh, a neurosurgeon goes through the same thing. He has a seven day period of of uh, coma, and comes out of it with this um, changed uh, perspective on spirituality, which is you know the same same story, and you know it. Um, I read it and I went, you know, I'm still skeptical. I've, I've always been a little bit skeptical of those stories, but they, um, uh, and so after I was done with that, uh, I, I went to, uh, the internet and read a bunch of other things. And one of them was, uh, a picture by Hermon Her Hieronymus Bosch, 1505. It's quite a name, Hieronymus Bosch. And this, it's called the Ascension to Heaven. And it's a black uh, picture of all these angels flying in the blackness and a person coming up from below with the angels holding on and bringing him up. Uh, and then uh, as you get higher into the uh, painting, uh, light starts to occur and it becomes brighter and brighter. And then the center is this big, bright light. <clears throat> it represents exactly the, the same story. And when this was that painted? 1505. 1500s, okay. So, so I mean, it's... The story it's, repeats itself. The, 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 these are very common stories. And uh, I have had at least four or five of uh, my patients with the same story. Often there's a lake uh, near there. There's people walking in a pasture toward the light. Um, I have, you know, there's... You know, if you read the Raymond Moody story, there's some variations of the story, and and um, uh, you know, the one of the variations is that uh, people f separate from their body, and they're hanging in the top of the room, floating up there, looking down upon the resuscitation that's going on. And one of the one of the things that happened, Maggie Callanan had a patient who, who had. Um, who said, and by the way, uh, when, when she woke up from the resuscitation, tell doctor 
that his billfold fell out and it's underneath the cot. Uh, and, and that's where it was. That's where it is. They, he had lost it. <laughs> wow. And she she pointed out to him where the where he had lost what his billfold. What she saw. Isn't that amazing? Well, that's what the, your your presentation last weekend covered a lot of those stories and it, it was very helpful and very for anyone who might even be concerned about their own death, which I guess some of us have to think about it, and you like to think positive thoughts. That's the unknown, though, isn't the it? The unknown really? is what throws people. Hey, speaking of the unknown, we need to take a break. Oh. <laughs> unknown words will follow us, uh, probably from Joni Holm. But it's, it's an, a nice unknown. It's a nice unknown, and we'll be back right after these words. Time. Hey, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. We were talking at first about Dr. Holmes' Uh, weekend when he spoke at the South Dakota Festival of Books that took place in Brookings. Uh, talked about your book, Life's Final Season. Talking about Life's Final Season, I know tomorrow night you'll be talking about people that let that final season come a little too soon. Yes, people suicide. People who, who commit suicide, and I know tomorrow night's program should be very interesting. You have you will be on it with uh, Matthew Stanley, who's a physician with the Avera Medical Group Brookings, and you're going to have a Skype guest. Who's that Skype guest? Well, the Skype guest is canceled. Oh, uh, it is. She oh, is, okay. She's, she's unable to come. She is okay. uh, coming down well, with I know illness. You, oh, I'm sorry. She's to hear that. Uh, 95, and she was the f- she was in the first class of Harvard Medical School that accepted women, and uh, her uh, granddaughter is. Uh, a friend of my my son's in New York, oh. and they got to talking about it, and uh, we kind of wanted to highlight this lady because she's such a special person. So I called her about a month and a half ago. Would you be on my my um, uh, suicide show? And she said reluctantly she would. She was a child psychiatrist that worked at Harvard and taught for like 10 years or 15 years in Harvard, and then she came down to Miami and helped with the boat uh, when Castro the uh, boat people remember when Castro opened up the prisons and the psych wards and sent them, and all, sent to them all to us yes I do so there are all these children that had a lot of psychiatric illness and uh, they came and she to the US she was down there and helped with that she helped with that yeah. and then she ended up staying and practicing uh, in Miami she was a, um, a Hispanic speaker a person who came originally from I'm not sure where, but uh, okay. in South America somewhere. Huh. But she won't well, be in our show, unfortunately. But we have Matt Stanley, who is uh, you know just a joy to talk with, and and a marvelous mind with a wonderful uh, experience about uh, uh, psychiatric uh, conditions. And you know, I, I I would ask you this. This is a question I would ask. Uh, you, Joan, do you think that any one of us escapes mental illness? Is, the, is there, I think, uh, is I there think anyone who is free uh, of mental illness? I like to think that many people live a very positive life and aren't touched, but you are touched by it at some time in your life. And I, no matter how positive or good your life has been, I think at some time you've had some form of depression. I don't know if that's mental illness or not. You, is that, that, is that I, what you're thinking? Well, there's a good, that's a good answer. And I think that was what I was looking for, too. Because um, if you think about it, there are some who speculate that the normal 
person uh, will be lifted up when they move forward, they do create something, they move west, they are pushed to, 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 to finish a, a book that they've been writing for four <laughs> years. Uh, you got pushed. You, right? you, you know, whatever it is, you get that, you go, wow, now I'm done, I'm happy, and then uh, you're above the line of neutral, and then you sink back down to your normal status, which is below the line. And it's that below the line that's normal for all of us that drives us to make the world better. It's an interesting way of looking at it. Have you ever thought that? No, I kind of see what you mean, though. When you you have nothing going on specifically, or if you're you're above the line, you're going, I'm going to just sit here. Why would I move? Everything is hunky dory. And the answer is. uh, So maybe our psyche forces us to keep moving forward. To be a little hungry, yes. to have to want for more. Want for more. Right. And, and that's good. I think they're... So, so when someone gets to the point where they're not wanting for more, they may sink lower and lower? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, I don't know. I do think that there, uh, if one defines mental illness as levels of some kind of normal variation in our thinking to a point where it, dis- it brings us to dysfunction, then dysfunction would be the defining point of mental illness. I would uh, argue that there are people who, uh, who are, are living in suffering, uh, but you would, that they cover it up well enough that, and they, they function okay and get you know, all those normal functioning things going on, but that they're not well. Um, and I do think that uh, all of us, drop below that line f- pretty far periodically in our lives such that uh, that that uh, that little bit of sadness maybe brings us to realize uh, and, be, and be better. But what you're saying may minimize actual mental illness and I wouldn't want to do that because there are chemical imbalances and, and possibly personality disorders that bring that cause more or create mental illness mm-hmm. that are not just the normal flow of life. Right. They go beyond the normal flow. Right. If you, and so <clears throat> uh, one of the things that, uh, that Eben Alexander, who, who speaks about near-death experiences and life after life, uh, says that uh, uh, part of the proof of God is awareness of life, of is consciousness, uh, and uh, you know, if you if you look at consciousness, uh, you uh, it makes me uh, think about what mental health is, and or mental illness when that consciousness is driven in places that are are very unhappy. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, mental illness, and, and uh, or at least mental health. Uh, is that uh, I was sitting around uh, or standing around a table with a bunch of guys and I was writing an article about suffering. I was trying to define what is the most uh, suffering. And uh, I went around the room and it was all emotional. I mean, it was uh, three divorces in the group. And by far that was the most suffering that they had ever been through. Uh, another person had lost a grandparent and it was a severe loss. Uh, that the, you know the, these were emotional losses, 
And, and uh, you know, I think about those losses that, uh, or hurts or sometimes hates that occur in a person last a lifetime. Uh, and uh, it, it struck me when I was writing an article about how a bone, a fr fractured bone heals. You know, in about six weeks, the pain goes away and the bone's healed. Everybody's fine. Moves on. Move on life. You can w jump and stomp on that bone again after that six weeks, and and uh, it's it's fine. Uh, but an emotional loss that seems to last you. forever yeah. and goes to the core of your your suffering. Uh, it actually, point. it's in the same part of the brain as the broken, fractured bone pain. <laughs> <laughs> it's painful. I often, when you talk about um, people with a uh, hatred or grudges. I often think of the definition of Irish Alzheimer's. Oh, what is that definition of the Irish Alzheimer's? The definition of Irish Alzheimer's is you forget everything except the grudges. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On that note, we're going to take our next break. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. We're, we also, this ch program is generated by your questions. We just had one question come in. Someone wanted you to talk a little bit more about your chemotherapy or chemotherapy in general. Is this an upbeat question? Is this something yeah. that um, without chemotherapy, you wouldn't be here? That's a positive. I, w I would say that There'd for There'd be certain. a lot of people who wouldn't be here without chemotherapy. It has I been would say that miraculous. That is absolutely When did certain. it all start? Around the... 50s or 60s? I yeah, they started realizing, you know, nitrogen mustard, for example, which was, you know, what they used in World War One and all that. Poison would right? kill, would poison the cancer, and it would poison the person. But the cancer didn't have the uh, recovery ability. The cancer was screwy enough that it couldn't repair itself, whereas your normal cells repair themselves. So they'd give the the chemo, and the person would get sick. But and the cancer would get sick, and then the person, the person would, would get heal, better, but the and the cancer wouldn't. was gone. You know, uh, and uh, one can argue there's a lot of different ways of of uh, chemo nowadays. In particular, the new stuff on immunotherapy, which is almost miraculous in certain cases. But you know, for example, you look at testicular cancer that killed Tom Storm, my dear friend, when I was in college. You know, we pff, it's a curable disease right now. The lymphomas and Hodgkin's disease, those killed kids. They don't kill kids anymore. You know, people. I had a dear friend who came down with acute myelogenous leukemia. Well, that's the death knell. I remember my patients at the at Grady Hospital. You know, I can beat this. Well, it it, it, it the, the the leukemia killed her, uh, and it killed everybody. And, and now, now this lady came down with leukemia. They knocked it down with chemo. Did, uh, wiped out all of her normal bone cells with radiation and chemo and then gave her new new uh, bone marrow cells from her sisters. And she's alive today. That was like 30 years ago. You know, um, uh, my surgeon from the Mayo Clinic, who was highlighted last night on the Mayo Clinic uh, uh, PBS show, which was like, wow, it was fascinating. And it talks. it's perfect timing to talk about now when we need to re- do healthcare system in the United States, and we could start with the way that the the the, uh, the Mayo did it. That's the value of that show last night. But anyway, he was highlighted, Dr. Trudy, and uh, and when he was on our show in um, last year, 
uh, as my guest. He drove from the Mayo Clinic four Which hours. Was very to get nice here. of him. Right. I've drawn. I've driven that four hours many times. But his he came and was on our show along with one other Mayo Clinic physician friend, and um, said, "Here's what I think as a surgeon." The value of chemotherapy is way more powerful than you know. And, and the way they're doing uh, uh, pancreatic cancer at the Mayo, and I would encourage everybody to encourage your doctors, whoever and wherever you may be with this, start with the chemotherapy. Shrink that tumor. Uh, uh, get the radiation uh, uh, right where that tumor may be, and then they can peel it off the darn artery. And this is a surgeon telling you to do medicine before, well, not medicine, but chemo before you do surgery. Usually surgeons kind of believe that whatever they do is God's gift, and that's the first thing to do. I this said, guy knows better. Right. I said, I've had the three, two and a half months of chemotherapy. Uh, I'm ready for the, for the Whipple. Let's get her out of there. And he said, no, 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 Rick. I've learned, and, uh, and I said, there's, uh, there's no studies that show that chemo before the radiation does any good. He says, yeah, there is. There's a really good study. I just haven't printed it yet. <laughs> I'm the one who did it. And His I'll study. tell you what the numbers are. If you've had less than three months of chemotherapy before your pancreatic surgery, then you have a two-year life sh- shot at two years of life. If you have more than that of chemotherapy, then you have a four-year uh, uh, shot at life. Do you want the two or the four? I said, I'll go with the four. <laughs> I'll take he says, the I'm going to go higher than that. Let's go with more than that chemotherapy. Let's go with a full eight weeks of chemo, and then we'll do radiation, and then I'll do the surgery. Um, and so it didn't work. It was a I had tough pill lesion. to swallow. It, right? it was a yeah. tough pill to swallow. It didn't work. He said the problem was the ke- first chemotherapy didn't work as well as we wanted it to. It's the chemotherapy that makes the difference. Now, everybody's afraid of chemo, and everybody gets uh, a bit sick from it. And I've got numb feet from it right now. But let's see, numb feet or dead? Numb I'll go feet, for the numb feet. feet. I think right. I'll go with the numb, numb feet. You got it. So I, I, I sense that we've got to realize, and I was one of them, that uh, uh, the, the idea that chemo is this mean, crappy, takes your quality of life and just it's not worth it. There are real times when it is very much worth it. And the chemo is getting better, and we are getting better in treating and if you combine that with, with, or with the surgery at the right time, with the right guidance and the right doctors, you know, you have a chance or a much better chance. So chemo, take it. Take the lesson. Chemo is good. Chemo okay. good. Well, I'm glad whoever the caller was <laughs> called with that question. You reemphasize the importance of chemo. We just uh, have a couple more minutes remaining. We'll take our last break, and we will be back right after this. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Holm, and Dr. Holm has been talking about a couple of different subjects, and tomorrow night you're really going to cover suicide. I told you at the outset of the program that uh, Dr. Jill Cruz and I talked about it two weeks ago because it was National Suicide Prevention Week. Right, and why do you discuss it It's National Suicide Prevention Month. Month, maybe month, And uh, I got a call from the state health department. They said, we've got to get a suicide show in uh, for September. Can you do it? I said, 
Okay. So we set it up for tomorrow night. Now, I want to make this point. Yes. Suicide is not easily predictable. You can't know that they're coming down with it. It, it is sort of like pancreatic cancer. Sometimes it's too late before we discover that they have the they're suicide even tendency. It. Yeah. And once we think that they have the tendency, we're not very good at, at stopping them from doing it. But, let's, but I would throw this out, and you made this point, Joan, and if you read the essay on Monday, you, you know I, I took what you said, and that was the most important point that you can do is to be a friend and to talk about it. And so uh, you don't ever drive anybody to suicide by saying, have you been thinking about committing suicide? You don't drive them to suicide by well, asking that question. Well, that's a big question. fear that I had. You would never ask that question. And Jill emphasized over and over again, they have learned that it's one of the best things you can do is talk if about you it. have a friend who you think is down, ask talk em. about it, ask them, ask them directly. Yeah. Ask them directly. Yeah. And I think the idea of just being a friend and listening is uh, way underrated, uh, do you, you, you know. And what is a friend? A friend is one who actually does listen. Uh, instead of uh, thinking, now what am I going to say after he says, she says <laughs> that, <laughs> you know. You've seen some people who, who in a conversation, their, their mind is ahead of what you're saying. Because yeah. you know they're already thinking about their what reply. What they're going to say. <laughs> you know, it's, it's sort of like having a disagreement with someone. Yeah, it, you wish that you could just get through to each other, but sometimes yeah. you're so busy trying to make the next point, uh. you don't even try <laughs> to get together, which is that good. It's sort of like our senators. Oh. Ooh, yeah, we shouldn't but, get it. You know, we, when we get on depressing topics, we shouldn't we're get we're into get politics. Right? <laughs> but I would say this. We need to know how to grow, right? Don't you think that it's important that we continue to grow all our lives, get better, right? Get better. How do you get better? If you already know the answers and that, that you're going to give the answers and you're not listening, uh, I think the value of listening is way underrated. Um, and not only that, if you do listen, it helps you walk in that other person's moccasins. And when you're walking in another person's moccasins, you're thinking about somebody other than me. Other than me. me. Forget me. the me. me. And me could be a problem with suicide, too. I think people have to get beyond themselves. I think that's the big thing. That is it. Yeah. And I, that's where friendship will do it. They'll, they'll pull out of themselves and a friendship will pull them back. Well, yes. we are pulling into the last minute of this program and we do hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. Why don't you listen again? Because Prairie Doc is brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. Follow Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. That's it for this week. Thanks, Dr. Holm. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. And, and be a friend out there. Take a moment to listen. Thank you.